Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 21, verses 33 to 46, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those tenants? And they said to him, He will put those wretches to miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. The parable contained in these verses was spoken with special reference to the Jews. They are the farmers here described. Their sins are set before us here as in a picture. Of this there can be no doubt. It was written that he spoke about them. But we must not flatter ourselves that this parable contains nothing for the Gentiles. There are lessons laid down for us as well as for the Jews. Let us see what they are. We see in the first place what distinguishing privileges God is pleased to bestow on some nations. He chose Israel to be a particular people to himself. He separated them from the other nations of the earth and bestowed on them countless blessings. He gave them revelations of himself, while all the rest of the world was in darkness. He gave them the law and the covenants and the oracles of God, while all the world beside was let alone. In short, God dealt with the Jews as a man deals with a piece of land which he fences out and cultivates, while all the fields around are left untilled and waste. The vineyard of the Lord was the house of Israel. Isaiah 5 verse 7 And have we no privileges? Beyond doubt we have many. We have the Bible, and liberty for everyone to read it. We have the gospel, and permission to everyone to hear it. We have spiritual mercies in abundance, of which 500 million of our fellow men know nothing at all, How thankful we ought to be! The poorest man in England may say every morning, 
There are 500 million immortal souls worse off than I am. Who am I that I should differ? Bless the Lord, O my soul. We see in the next place what a bad use nations sometimes make of their privileges. When the Lord separated the Jews from other people, he had a right to expect they would serve him and obey his laws. When a man has taken pains with a vineyard, he has a right to expect fruit. But Israel did not render a due return for all God's mercies. They mingled with the heathen and learned their ways. They hardened themselves to sin and unbelief. They turned aside after idols. They did not keep God's ordinances. They despised God's temple. They refused to listen to his prophets. They abused those whom he sent to call them to repentance. And finally, they brought their wickedness to a height by killing the Son of God himself, even Christ the Lord. And what are we doing ourselves with our privileges? Truly, it is a curious question, and one that ought to make us think. It may well be feared that we are not, as a nation, living up to our light, or walking worthy of our many mercies. Must we not confess with shame that millions among us seem utterly without God in the world? Must we not acknowledge that in many towns and in many villages, Christ seems hardly to have any disciple, and the Bible seems hardly to be believed? It is vain to shut our eyes to these facts. The fruit that the Lord receives from his vineyard in Great Britain, compared with that it what it ought to be, is disgracefully small. It may well be doubted whether we are not as provoking to him as the Jews. We see in the next place what a dreadful reckoning God sometimes has with nations and churches which make a bad use of their privileges. A time came when the patience of God toward the Jews had an end. Forty years after our Lord's death, the cup of their iniquity was at length full, and they received a heavy chastisement for their many sins. Their holy city, Jerusalem, was destroyed. Their temple was burned. They themselves were scattered over the face of the earth. The kingdom of God was taken from them and given to a nation bringing forth its fruits. And will the same thing ever happen to us? Will the judgments of God ever come down on this nation of England because of her unfruitfulness under so many mercies? Who can tell? We may well cry with the prophet, Lord God, you alone know. We only know that judgments have come on many churches and nations in the last 1,800 years. The kingdom of God has been taken from the African churches. The Mohammedan, that is, Islamic power, has overwhelmed most of the churches of the East. At all events, it becomes all believers to intercede much on behalf of our country. Nothing offends God so much as neglect of privileges. Much has been given to us, and much will be required. We see in the last place the power of conscience even in wicked men. The chief priests and elders at last discovered that our Lord's parable was especially meant for themselves. The point of its closing words was too sharp to be escaped. They knew that he spoke about them. There are many hearers of the gospel in every congregation who are exactly in the condition of these unhappy men. 
They know that what they hear Sunday after Sunday is all true. They know that they are wrong themselves and that every sermon condemns them. But they have neither will nor courage to acknowledge this. They are too proud and too fond of the world to confess their past mistakes and to take up the cross and follow Christ. Let us all beware of this dreadful state of mind. The last day will prove that there was more going on in the conscience of hearers than was at all known to preachers. Thousands and ten thousands will be found like the chief priests to have been convicted by their own conscience and yet to have died unconverted. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.